Bibles tonight, we're going to go back to Ephesians in chapter 4 this evening. We'll have the verses this evening up on the screen as well, and uh, just to help you out a little bit as we move along this evening. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look in verse 30 tonight, one simple verse, if you will. Whereas the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight and we ask you, dear God, again, to bear witness upon our souls. Dear Lord, I pray that you take this holy, precious word this evening. And dear God, I just pray that you sink it deep inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. Lord, I pray that it would be a mighty change, Father. I pray that you would take it this evening, dear God, that you, Lord, I'll, I'll work as much as you want me to, but I pray tonight that you would move amongst your people this evening and make a difference in their life, both here and in eternity. In Jesus Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Beloved, we make choices every day. We make choices, good ones. We make choices. We make bad ones. And ultimately, guys, we want to make godly decisions which are going to end with the best outcome for ourselves, for our family, and for those that are around us. That's what we want to do. And guys, I mean, however many people today, many people in our society, they're living with the consequences of poor choices. They're living, many of them, with utter regret, if you will. As a matter of fact, a study in a recent issue of the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin shows that about 90% of adults have deep regrets about their lives. And more and more and more, they dwell on those regrets and those choices and those ill decisions, the worse their quality of life tends to become. But I want to submit to you this evening a, a solution. Matter of fact, I want to give you a problem, a formula tonight for this problem. And so I want to speak to you on the thought this evening of having no regrets. No regrets. Now, guys, you know, it may not be what you're assuming this evening. It may not be what you think living a life with no regrets would be for you. But I do tell you tonight that there is a solution. I do say to you tonight there is a formula that we can apply in our life. Paul again tells us in our text verse in Ephesians 4, verse 20. And I want you to hang on to that thought of your mind tonight. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so by him saying, grieve not, he's telling you not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And by him telling us that, then we must know that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that it's possible to grieve that Holy Spirit of God. If he's telling us not to do so, then we know there is a possibility that we can. But the first thing I want us to understand tonight by way of introduction is when the Holy Spirit is received. When do you receive the Holy Spirit of God? Well, it's at the point of salvation, okay? It's the moment a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They receive all of the Holy Spirit of God they will ever need, hands down. Curtis Hudson said one time, he said, uh, in, in the middle of a sermon, and he's about the only one that could have gotten away with this, he says, when I got married, I got all of my wife that i ever going to have. I got every bit of her, amen? He says, when I got married, I got all of my wife, but as you can see, these many years later, I got a whole lot more today. And I don't think he really realized what he was saying. Everybody laughed, and he got away with it. But guys, when you got saved, when you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, on that very millisecond, you received every bit of the Holy Spirit of God that you're ever going to receive inside of your physical body today. How do I know that? Well, 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, says, What? Know ye not that your body, not my body, 
not some spiritual floaty body, not a metaphorical body, but your body is the temple, that is a tabernacle, that is a housing, the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Verse 20 says, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, guys, how long do we have the Holy Spirit of God? Does he come and go from us? Or does he come inside and he stays stay with us? Well, again, we go back to our text verse he, in, uh, in um, Ephesians chapter 4. And I underlined it uh, on the screen there. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are what? Sealed unto the day of redemption. The word redemption means to buy back. And, guys... When is that day of redemption? We're going to cover that. Again, by way of introduction, we're going to get to this formula tonight about no regrets. But I want us to understand we have to withhold. We've got to refuse in grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We have that Holy Spirit of God inside of us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He does not leave, you can grieve Him. You can take Him places. You can do things that are wrong. You can look at things and say things and act a certain way that the Holy Spirit of God is grieved. And I'll tell you what, He's a gentleman. Not going to force himself on you. He will take a back seat if you do that. You will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible even tells me that you can sear the conscience with a hot iron so that the Holy Spirit is not able to work with you and convict you. Amen. Those things you can do. So what, what do we understand about redemption? If we're sealed up to the day of redemption, when is that day? Well, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 50 through 52, and I'm going to pause between 50 and 51, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So we'll pause just for a moment there. And this is going to help you understand how and why you and I tend to make ill decisions. Thus suffering for so much regret in this life. So what does it mean? What does it mean flesh uh, cannot inherit the kingdom of God? What does it mean that bone, that blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? It means that the flesh that you and I live in today, this flesh, this temple of the Holy Spirit of God, is marred, my friend. Our blood, our blood is stained today as a result of Adam's sin. You understand that here tonight. I bet you've always heard that we're created in the image of God. Yep. We've always heard that, haven't we? Well, it comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, which says, So God created a man, and a man in his own image. In the image of God created he uh, him, male and female created he them. And that's, that's Bible right there, all right? That's when he created Adam, and from Adam's uh, side he created woman. Or wo from the womb she was created from the rib. That's why she's called woman. You got mankind, you got woman, because she came from the womb of man. Okay, comes from the side, comes from the rib. God created Adam in his own image. There is no question there. It's biblical, right? There it is. Male and female created he them. It's very simple. When Adam was created, he had complete communion and access with God. Complete unfettered access. But then what happened? What's the, where's the problem then? Where, how do we make the ill choices as a result of Adam's sin in our life today if Adam was created in the image of God? Well, Adam sinned. Adam's sin. The Bible tells me in Romans in chapter uh, 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we have this sin in our life today, guys. And by the way, uh, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. We need to understand that. And that comes all the way down uh, from Adam. It translates all the way down from the very first uh, sin that was created in this earth today. And that was with Adam. But let me ask you this question here this evening. 
Do you think Adam, who made a bad choice, did he not? Yeah. You think he ever had any regrets? You think he, listen, that cat lived for 930 years. <laughs> 930 years, man. He lived over nine, nine, nine centuries. Do you think he ever sat back and said, my soul, what a mess I've made. When he saw bloodshed, when he saw when he had a backache, when his head hurt, when he sneezed, when any of those things happened, you ever thought he goes, my goodness, I made a mess of this. Yeah, absolutely he did. I mean, don't you think when Cain slew Abel, first murder to ever occur, don't you think he said, man, that's all on me? Sure he did. He had massive regrets. So back to where we were. When the Bible says that flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God, it testifies of whose image you and I are in. See, God created man in his image. Male and female created he them. Amen? Genesis 1.27. But once that transgression happened, we find in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Okay, so we find that. Verse 2, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Now look at verse 3, and I've underlined a portion in there. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image. And he called his name Seth. That was the third son. He called his name Seth. You see, beloved, just as Seth was conceived in the image of Adam, and Adam transgressed against God, therefore sins passed upon all mankind, we too are, are conceived in the image of Adam, and we have taken on that sin. And that's why our flesh, this corruptible flesh, and that's why our blood, this tainted blood, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is why, my friend, we make poor choices in our life. That is why we have choices that we've made and has given us utter regret in our life. But I want you to watch there and start with a solution this evening. You see, I told you, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And I, I told you where, uh, where the Lord tells us that, uh, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit corruption. But we're going to watch the rest of it here. In, in verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And that means die. But we shall all be changed, those who are dead and those who are alive in Christ. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, by the way, that twinkling of an eye in, in the terms of physics is known as a planet of time, which is 0.1 to the negative 45th power of a second. It's the amount of time that it takes for light to refract in the human eye. That quick, okay? That's how, well, quicker than that. I can't even be that quick. That's how quick it is. But in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Those that have died in Jesus Christ, this is the day of redemption where we are sealed by that Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of promise is also called. We are sealed unto this day. What day is that? The day that we are redeemed. And if you are alive when that happens, this body right here will be, we, we, will, will follow. It will be changed. It will have a glorified body. This tainted blood will fall out. And forever we will be with the Lord, according to 1 Thessalonians 4 and 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 Corinthians 15, and Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. We know that to be clear, guys. So those that are dead in Christ, those that are dead and buried and gone on, uh, those will be raised incorruptible. And those in Christ uh, who are alive shall be changed into a glorified body as Christ. So back to this Holy Spirit. And let's get to that solution of having no regrets tonight. How much do you yield this evening? You're here and you're saved and born again. You know that you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ however many weeks, days, months, or years ago. 
And you receive that Holy Spirit of God. He's in your body tonight. He's in that temple. He's not going to leave until Jesus Christ calls us home. So how much do you yield to that Holy Spirit this evening? See, that's going to be the difference. That's the elephant in the room, if you will. That's going to make the difference this evening because that's going to be the solution tonight of having no regrets. How much we yield our bodies to the Holy Spirit of God determines the outcome of our choices in life. You say, where do you get that from? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and verse 18. Verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now verses 2 through two through 17 tells us how to be uh, followers of God as dear children. And in verse 18 it says, And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? You're not receiving more because you got it all on the day that you were saved and born again. So you're not getting more of the Holy Spirit of God. What you're doing is you're yielding more of yourself over to His influence. Is influence. That's why the correlation there is tied to being under the influence of something. This is not a, a license to drink or license to be drunk. It's giving you a, a correlation, how it ties together of being under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. So on the day that we are saved, we receive all of the Holy Ghost that we will ever need. We are sealed unto, by the Holy Ghost unto the day that we are redeemed. And between those two dates... This body is God's and therefore we are to yield it to the influence of the Holy Spirit of God every day of our life. We are to yield everything that is inside of us and everything that we have over to His being, over to His influence, over to His control. That, my friend, tonight is allowing that which is inside of you, this body which is owned by Him tonight, that, my friend, is going to allow us to make godly choices every single day. That is the kickoff. That's the introduction of having no regrets. So where do we find this formula tonight? Where do we find the formula in making choices that are glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ? 1927, a lady by the name of Geraldine Guinness Taylor wrote a book, much of which you're going to hear tonight. A lot of the quotes come from that book. It was called Borden of Yale 09. And she documented the work, albeit brief, of William Borden, the heir of the family fortune of Borden Dairy multi-millionaire family. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school and as heir to the Borden family fortune, he was already wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. I can't imagine, I was going to do the calculation of what their wealth would have been from 1904 to 2022. I just ran out of time in putting this sermon together, but just unbelievable millionaire, if you will. For his high school graduation present, William Borden's parents gave their 16-year-old son a trip around the world. And as a young man traveling through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. And finally, Bill Borden wrote home about his desire to be a missionary. One friend expressed disbelief that Bill was throwing away, throwing away himself, throwing himself away as a missionary. So the first part of our formula this evening will be William Borden's response to his friend to such a statement of throwing himself away to be a missionary. And he simply wrote back in the back of his Bible, he opened his Bible up to the very back page, and he wrote these two words, no reserves. No reserves. Paul said in Ephesians 4.30, he says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. You see, Bill Borden would see any reservations as grieving the Holy Spirit of God that was in, in him. In his mind, uh, who, who was he to hold back on yielding himself 
to the working of God's Holy Spirit. And it's in the inspired words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Guys, the bare minimum we can do is to take this living flesh that we live in today that houses the Holy Spirit of God for we saved, born again, and yield it over as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus. Bill Borden understood that. He understood that as a 16-year-old child, a 16-year-old boy, traveling around the world and seeing the world hurting, seeing the world haunting, seeing those guys that were caught up and wrapped up in false religions and all this and that, and it convicted him. And he wanted to surrender his life to be a missionary. So even though young Borden was wealthy, he arrived on campus of Yale University in 1905. Trying to look like just another freshman, he very quickly stood out amongst his classmates. And it was, they knew there was something unusual about him, something different. And it wasn't that he was wealthy. It wasn't that he came from loads of money. One of his, one of his classmates wrote this. He said, he came to college far ahead spiritually than any of us. He had already given his heart in full surrender to Christ, and had really done it. He said, we who were his classmates learned to lean on him and find in him a strength that was as solid as a rock just because of this settled purpose and consecration. No reserves. He wasn't holding back. During his college years, Bill Borden made an entry in his personal journal that defined what his classmates were seeing in him. And the entry simply stated this, say no to self, yes to Jesus. Every time. No reserves. Borden's first disappointment at Yale was when the university president spoke at a, at a convocation about the students' need to have a fixed purpose in life. After the speech, Borden, uh, Borden wrote in his journal, he said, He neglected to say what our purpose should be and where we should get the ability to persevere and the strength to resist temptations. Surveying the Yale faculty and much of the student body, Borden lamented what he saw as an end result of empty humanistic philosophy, a moral weakness, and a sin ruined lives. During his first semester at Yale, Borden started something that was, would transform the campus life. One of his friends described how it began, and this is what he said. He said, it was, uh, it was well on in the first term when Bill and I began to pray together in the morning before breakfast. He says, I cannot say positively uh, who's suggesting it was, but I feel sure it must have originated with Bill. He said, uh, we, uh, we had been meeting only a short time when a third student joined us, and soon after, a fourth. He says, uh, the time was spent in prayer after a brief reading of the Scripture. Bill's handling of the Scripture was helpful, and he would read to us from the Bible, show us something that God had promised, and then proceed to claim the promise with assurance. Borden's small morning prayer group gave birth to a movement that soon spread across the campus. And by the end of the first, uh, his freshman year, the first year in school, 150 freshmen were meeting weekly for the Bible study and prayer. And by the time Bill Borden was a senior, four years later, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students was meeting with them in the morning time for prayer in such groups. Borden made it a habit to seek out the most incorrigible students and try to bring them to salvation in his sophomore year, which is week two, this is taken from, uh, from uh, Taylor's work. She says, uh, she recorded, in his sophomore year, uh, we were, he, she's quoting now, we organized Bible study groups and divided up the classes of 300 or more. Each man interested in taking a certain number so that all might, if possible, be reached, reached for Christ. 
The names were gone over one by one, and the question was asked, who will take this person? When it came to someone thought to be a hard proposition, there would be an ominous pause. Nobody wanted to take the responsibility, and then Bill's voice would be heard, put him down to me. Put him down to me. Borden's outreach ministry was not confined just to the Yale campus. Guys, he cared about widows, orphans, the disabled. He rehabilitated them. He founded, founded the Yale Hope uh, mission. He would be often fi- found and rescuing the drunks from the streets of New Haven, Connecticut. And one of Bill Borden's friends wrote that he, uh, that he might often be found in the lower parts of the city at night on the street in cheap lodging houses or some restaurant to which he had taken the poor hungry fellow to feed them, seeking to lead them to Jesus Christ. No reserves. You want the first part of the formula of having no regrets tonight? No reserves. Upon graduating from Yale, Borden turned down some of the most high-paying jobs around the country, as well as many churches to pastor. In his Bible, guys, he wrote two more words. Two more words, which will be the second part of our formula tonight. And that was, no retreats. No retreats. Our text in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, tells us, whereby ye are sealed. So there's no reserves. I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice. There's no retreats. I'm not turning back whatsoever. Borden's heart and mind was was fixed upon Jesus Christ. And there will be no retreats despite what would happen in his life. Borden's missionary uh, call narrowed it down to the uh, Muslim Kansu people of China. Fixing his eyes on that goal, Borden never wavered. He also uh, challenged his class base to consider the foreign missionary field and the foreign missionary services. One of them said he certainly was one of the strongest characters I had ever known. And he put backbone into the rest of us at college. He said there was a real iron in him. And I always felt he was of the stuff martyrs were made of and heroic missionaries of the modern times. Although Bill Borden was a millionaire, he seemed to realize always that he must be about his father's business and not wasting time in the pursuit of amusement. He refused to join a fraternity. One of his classmates said he did more with his classmates in his senior year than ever before. He presided over a huge student missionary conference held at Yale, and he served as president of the Honored Society of Phi Beta Kappa. William Borden went on to do graduate work at Princeton Seminary at that time in New Jersey. And when he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China. He set sail for the missionary journey. Because he was hoping to work with those Chinese Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. No reserves, no retreats. Fixed on Jesus Christ. The formula that we're finding. Borden was committed to the cause of Christ. His heart was moved, undeterred by the world's view. And by the life of ease of a millionaire, Christ had his heart and therefore he pursued the work that he was called thereunto by the Holy Spirit of God. Because you know what he said? No reserves, burn it all. No retreats, move forward at all costs. Martin Luther King Jr. said in his famous famous speech, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, have you, uh, you have to keep moving forward. Guys, I'm telling you tonight that despite the circumstance life deals you, keep moving forward. Despite the problems that we all face every single day, keep moving forward. Despite what may come upon you tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, keep moving forward. William Borden continued to move forward for the cause of Christ because it was written indelibly upon his heart the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is recorded in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to Seek and save that which is lost. That was his purpose. No retreats, man. No retreats. When he saw the poor souls trapped in the devil's fist by false religions or by the 
fall into societal temptations, he was moved to win them to Jesus Christ. No retreats, he said, no matter what. That's what the answer is. He understood he was sealed on the day of redemption. Salvation couldn't be lost, but he saw countless souls out there who were still in the clenches of the devil. You see, beloved, as mentioned, Borden set sail for China where he wanted to go and narrowed it down. He wanted to reach the Muslim Kensu people for Christ. But he stopped in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, William Borden, no retreats, no reserve, contracted spinal meningitis, and he would die in Egypt just months afterwards at the age of 25 years old. Born he was, 1887 on the 1st of November. Graduated high school in Chicago in 1905. Entered, uh, uh, he went on a round world trip in 1905. He graduated Yale in uh, 1909, December 17, 1912. He sails for Egypt on the way to China. And by the 9th of April in 1913, at the age of 25, he dies. Wow. No reserves. No retreats. You see, when the news of William Borden's death was cabled back to the U.S., the story was carried by nearly every American newspaper. Taylor went on to write in her work, in the introduction, by the way, of his biography. She said a wave of sorrow went round about. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. So you may be sitting here tonight thinking, hang on. I thought you were going to tell me that he lived to a ripe old age of 78, 79, 90 years old, won millions to the Lord Jesus Christ and all throughout China and, and all this and that. And you're probably thinking this evening, where's the sum of our formula? I mean, we have two quantities, don't we, tonight? We have no reserves and we have no retreats. Well, when Borden's effects made it back to the States, as the story goes, Wallace on his deathbed, Borden had written one more thing in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, was found two more words, and I'm sure you guessed it already. No regrets. Days, minutes, moments before William Borden would leave this life and go into the next, having his heart fixed on him being a missionary in China, giving up all the things that this world runs after. Fame and fortune, prestige, all these things. Trying to build bigger and bigger. You know what, guys? We are sacrificing our lives today to try to build something that's going to go up in flames. Here's a man who lived 25 short years, surrendered to the call of the mission field to reach the lost souls of China for Jesus Christ, yet never made it there. But in the process of going from strength to strength, strength to strength, touched more lives than he ever realized. His life is memorialized in these three statements, which are summed up his life. No reserves, no retreats, and that's how he died. A fulfilled life of Jesus Christ with no regrets. So, beloved, no matter how long you live tonight, be it 25 or 105, when you sell out for Jesus Christ, when you surrender to present your body a living sacrifice, the choices you make for Jesus Christ, starting with the acceptance of his precious gift of eternal life, there'll be no regrets. I can promise you that tonight.
You say, preacher, but I've made some bad choices. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll never regret that one. Bill Borden, a multimillionaire, gave it all up. Just simply to see a soul saved for the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply to see a soul saved. He wasn't interested in building a bigger, a bigger fortune. He wasn't interested in taking on an empire. The man could have done anything, but he followed what God gave him in his heart. And he presented his body a living sacrifice. And my friend, tonight, that's the formula. No reserves. No retreats. That's how you get no regrets. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be here, dear God. I pray that you take your message, that you write it upon the table of our hearts. And I simply ask you this evening that no matter what, I pray the Holy Spirit of God would pound inside of our heart tonight the testimony of our dear brother, William Whiting Borden, and that he left this world in the way, like many others or any others have, that it seemed joyous rather than sacrificial, to turn away from a life of ease that many today would choose and present his body a living sacrifice unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So I simply ask you tonight, dear God, help us. Help us live a life of no reserves. Help us live a life of no retreats so that we may have a life in Jesus Christ without any regrets. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things tonight. Amen. I do hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God this evening was a blessing to your heart this evening. Amen and amen. A remarkable life for the Lord Jesus Christ.